BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of the super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learned right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so So much much to to say. say. We're officially going and I'm looking at my uh, little thing this time and it is in fact recording. (laughs) Okay, thank God. Yeah, so unfortunately everyone, we recorded this episode But halfway through, I realized that my mic was out. So we're re-recording. But you know what? It's okay because I think we could have done it. We could have done it better. But also, I've been writhing in my pain body this week. So it's almost like fate that we have to re-record. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, we didn't do a great job for how juicy this chapter is. I feel like we were floating around the big ideas and not hitting them. So I'm very excited. Well, you know what's funny is thinking back... I feel like we didn't really get the pain body because we were in like good places. And now (laughs) I've had like a shitty week and I'm, I fully understand the pain body. Oh, there it is. I'm like, Oh, I'm literally thinking about past things and telling myself this sob story and then getting pissed in the present moment. Wait, I literally was talking to my mom on the phone and I don't do this a lot anymore. Like, but I used to hold on to this stuff And my mom said something about her commenting on my weight when I was in middle school. And I just, uh, I was just like, well, what was I supposed to do? Like, how was I? I didn't appreciate you. And she was like, okay, well, that was how 15 years ago. Let's just maybe let's take a breath. And I was like, why did I just take the time to get mad at you about something you said when I was 11? Like that is that is the pain body was triggered. I was so triggered. Wow, that's a good example. That's a great example. I guess if we just define it, because it's kind of, it is a little woo-woo to explain. It's it's so woo-woo that I can't even explain it. Can you explain it? <laughs> okay, so for anyone not reading the book who is here with us on episode five, <laughs> res- respect. First of all, thank you. Here's Eki's definition. 
The remnants of pain left behind by every strong negative emotion that is not fully faced, accepted, and then later let go of joins together to form an energy field that lives in the very cells of your body. It consists not just of childhood pain, but also painful emotions that were added to it later in adolescence and during your adult life, much of it created by the voice of the ego. It is the emotional pain that is your unavoidable companion when a false sense of self is the basis of your life. This energy field of old but still very much alive emotion that lives in almost every human being is the pain body. He says on 141, we can learn not to keep situations or events alive in our minds, but to return our attention continuously to the pristine, timeless, present moment rather than be caught up in mental movie making. And I feel like I'm mental movie making. Mental movie making about what? (sighs) Well... I can't really say, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Story of this podcast. Yeah, but on 147, he says, emotion from the pain body gains control of your thinking. And once your mind has been taken over by the pain body, your thinking becomes negative. The voice in your head will be telling sad, anxious, or angry stories about yourself or your life, about other people, about past, future, or imaginary events. You ever know when you're crying and then like just to send yourself (laughs) over the edge, you think something like, and all I did was try my hardest <laughs> and then like you cry more <laughs> yes I I do this thing called emotional picking or what do they call it internet picking and it's like when you send yourself down rabbit holes that just make you more annoyed and it's just like you feed it you just exactly and it's like you can't stop it it's like when you have a zit and you just keep picking it it's like that And the interesting thing is that we're remembering and reflecting from like our perspective and like how we were victimized or wasn't fully seen. And so now I'm sad. I feel like when I was less conscious, the pain body was my entire personality. Really? Like, yeah, like I, I think about middle school and like high school. Like, I feel like I just let that run my life. Like there was no awareness behind it. Yeah, but you were a child going through insane grief. I feel like I have compassion for, like, you're allowed to be ruled by your pain body. Yeah, no, I definitely have passion or passion, compassion for it. But, like, it's just crazy that some people just live in that state and then that's their whole personality for their whole lives. Because we don't really learn how to process emotion properly. No. Let alone when we're younger. So then we don't process it. And then that's how the pain body continues to grow. Anyways, this is going to be great. We're, we're, on the, we're on a great track here. I okay, want to not miss anything though. So let's go back to literally 132, the first pages of this chapter. He's talking about our body's intelligence. I was like shook when I highlighted the sentence on 132. You don't run your body. The intelligence does. So Eckhart basically says... The intelligence in your body is doing the conversion of oxygen and food into energy, the heartbeat and circulation of blood, the immune system that protects your body from invaders, the translation of sensory input into nerve impulses that are sent to the brain, decoded there and reassembled into a coherent inner picture of outer reality. Like all these simultaneously occurring functions 
are our body's intelligence and we're not thinking about doing it. It just happens. But he goes on to say, although your body is very intelligent, it cannot tell the difference between an actual situation and a thought. It reacts to every thought as if it were a reality. It doesn't know it's just a thought. So to give an example, like if you've ever been in a hotel room, which I think about when I'm like on speaking trips and you're alone and you feel perfectly safe, your door is locked, everyone's been friendly, like you're, you are safe in this moment. But then you start thinking, did someone see me come into the hotel alone? Does anyone have a key to this room? Did I really lock the door? Is my window open? Could someone break in? And then your heart starts pounding and you start feeling like you are in a threat, threatening position when like you're not. Yeah. It's like you're, you're living that moment, even though that moment is not happening to you. Yeah. And of, of course that's like not the best example because as women, that's a very real fear and we're, we're, but and but we are feeling that because of the way he later on talks in the chapter, not to jump right back, but how <laughs> women are born with our own unique pain body yeah. of like what it means to be female. And like, so that's, you know, it's a valid fear. But my point is, you can think yourself into any emotion. Yeah. Truly. I also, have you seen those memes where it's like, my body reacting like I'm getting fought by a lion when I'm just sending an email to the CEO. Our body (laughs) is trained like that is the way we're wired. Like he talks about fight or flight and that's just ingrained to us. So like our body is wired in a certain way, even though that's just not our actual reality anymore. Fully. The part that is a new challenge for me with all this work was when he said on 134, the ego is not only the unobserved mind, the voice in the head which pretends to be you, but it's also the unobserved emotions that are the body's reaction to what the voice in the head is saying. Because when I feel it, I convince myself, no, this is a real valid thing. Like, it's hard to tell yourself your emotions aren't valid, but it's yeah. almost like he's saying sometimes they're not. <laughs> I, and I feel like... I feel like your mom used to like validate all of your emotions and Max was like, no, not every emotion is valid. That's right? funny. Okay. Wait, Isn't yes. that a conversation to, you guys have had? Okay. To give that example, <laughs> which is a great one that stumps me later in life. I think when you're growing up, you know, they're always like, remember that like I see you. It was like how our teachers helped us like communicate yes, when yes. we're hurt. I statements. Yeah. My yeah. mom used to always be like, if you say I feel, she's always like, talk about how you feel. And that will always help you. Like, I feel hurt. I feel misunderstood. I feel whatever. And so then I'd be in like, you know, arguments with my husband and I'd be like, well, I feel angry, you know, whatever. And he's like, I get that. But like, that doesn't mean you still shouldn't do the thing you said you would do. Or like, it's not your responsibility, you know? And I was like, huh, you're Uh right. (laughs) (laughs) And like, to be fair, Lainey, that's great advice. Like, I think that's what therapists tell you to do. Talk and I feel statements. You're not criticizing another person, but where, where does the line get drawn? I think the tricky thing is it is not other people's responsibility to make you feel a certain way. I think what Eckhart is tapping into is we decide how we take it, how we interpret it, if we carry it, if we add it to our identity, if we let it yeah. fuel our pain body, or if we are the awareness to see the consciousness in someone else, be in the present moment Like, it it reminds me of stoicism, you know? Yeah. Feel it and then let it go. And don't, like, carry it. Okay, you know what this correlates perfectly to is the duck story that he tells. Yes, I loved it. 
the duck story is something I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And I have been. I feel the same way. Like I read it and was like, I will never forget this story. It's just one of those things that's such an easy, quick thing to remember that it'll stick with me forever. Basically, Eckhart says that he sees two ducks get into a fight. And once they're done fighting, they flap their wings and then float off in their different directions and carry on with their day. However, if the duck had a human mind, it would keep the fight alive by thinking and by story making. This would probably be the duck story. I don't believe what he just did. He just came within five inches of me. He thinks he owns this pond. He has no consideration for my private space. I'll never trust him again. Next time he'll try something else just to annoy me. I'm sure he's plotting already, but I'm not going to stand for this. I'll teach him a lesson. He won't forget. (laughs) And it's like so funny because like that's what we do. We storytell about every little interaction. We can just flap our wings and move on. Yes, like we add so much storyline. I thought it was funny when he said, you can see how problematic the duck's life would become if it had a human mind. But this is how most humans live all the time. (laughs) No situation or event is ever really finished. The mind and the mind made me and my story keep it going. And I think my initial thought was like, okay, well, what if that duck is just actually an asshole and he's just the worst duck in the pond and he is trying to annoy? Like if you go out your day and there's, a duck in your life that's just constantly bugging you on purpose what do you do and then I feel like he answered the question earlier when he was like it's okay to set boundaries it's okay to like know that that duck is in your space and if he comes in your space it annoys you so then you just stay away from that duck you know what's interesting you've come back to that question like a lot I know I know Do you have like a fear of being like steamrolled by people or like mistreated by people? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. (laughs) Big time, man. Big time. (laughs) Oh, my Um, God. Yeah, I think I think I have a history of like putting my needs second to whatever everyone else wants. And like it's where I'm most comfortable. But it's like I'm trying to fight against it. Oh, my gosh. This is the answer to the question I was going to ask you in this chapter, he talks about unconscious assumptions. Would you say you have an unconscious assumption that people are going to take advantage of me? Yes. And it's like, it's not in the way that it's anyone else's fault, but my own, if that makes sense. It's like, I know that I have a, or I, I don't know this. This is what the story I've created. It's like, I think I have a tendency to put my needs second to, you know, make anyone else happy. And, it's like become this fear of mine, like don't get walked all over when like, and then I think I overreact to little situations because I'm like, there it is again, someone walking all over me when it's just like, no, that's probably not what's happening. Right. Like you have an extra sensitivity to like, is this normal and appropriate or are they taking advantage because you don't want it to happen to you again? Yes. Okay. That, wow. That feels like like a light bulb. I have a similar-ish type of thing. It's probably not as deeply thread because it's more of a work thing, but I've had experiences in work where I feel like I'm learning how to have a working relationship. And I had one that went very badly. And so now I'm trying to like figure out how do I be professional, but also really friendly and welcoming and warm, but also not let them in too much. And, and it's like constantly assessing how do I, like, it's like you become a robot. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's, that's your work pain body. I don't want to call them traumas because I I feel like that's a big word for. Yeah. 
Well, yours is a trauma. Mine is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. thinking about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But Shoot. I, <laughs> I think for mine, it's not. It's more just like learning from the past. Um, but okay, and then, I love yeah, that. And then like learning from that, and then do you f- find like a hypersensitivity around it? It's like I almost don't trust myself to just function normally. Like so, I'm hypersensitive. Right. No, this is really fascinating because it literally is. Where's that part about the consciousness where I was like, literally, I underlined it to ask you a question real quick on 135. It's where he says those thoughts exist at a preverbal stage and could be called unspoken, unconscious assumptions. They have their origin in a person's past conditioning. People cannot be trusted or nobody respects and appreciates me. I don't deserve love. And so... I feel like that's like the perfect example of this. Like, I'm going to get walked all over. I need to be totally tougher. Yeah. Interesting. We'll just. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Also, <laughs> also, even though this is this is just something that literally just happened right before we started recording. I have this hyper awareness to it and then it just doesn't compute in the moment. Like I got these weird texts from an old coworker and he just called me and was like, Hi. I just want to apologize for all those weird texts. I was not mentally well. He had some health issue going on. So my auto response was no need to say sorry. If this was mentally going on, like, please don't be sorry, whatever. And Wood was like, I am not trying to like step, but like, I feel like a better response is thank you. Not like, no, no, no. Oh my God. No, I'm sorry for even being on the other end of them. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah. Wait, this is so interesting. I know exactly what situation you're talking about. No, 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 no. I I don't think you do. Yeah. Was Uh, this the person, the the guy that was like, had a girlfriend or Mary that was like, no, no different guy. So this guy like asked me to get lunch and I didn't want to, and I didn't reply. And then just followed up with like, I'm not kidding, like 15 texts mm. aggressively being like, I just was looking for a friend. How dare you? I've had so many weird work situations. And <laughs> you'd think after like number 12, I would learn how to handle them well. And like, I really try. But then I end up my word vomit is like, don't be sorry. Wow. I know. I agree with Wood that there's a way to respond where like you're a kind person and you're like you're forgiving but yes. you're also not saying no don't be sorry I to- completely completely and it's like something I really want to work on you know what could be helpful is like sleeping on a response like that's another thing it's like I'm like I don't have to respond to people right away just because yeah. I'm worried they're gonna feel uncomfortable like yeah I'm on my own time you know over text, I completely agree. This guy just blindside called me with a no caller ID number, and because Wait, of my job, no, he didn't. Yes. Oh yeah. Blindside called me. I was like, "Hello." He's like, "Hi. This is I won't use his name, Jeremy." And I was like, "Who?" And he was like, "We used to work together." Okay. He no caller ID. This is kind of creepy. So he was like, "I'm sorry for all those texts. It was really creepy." And so, like, he sounded like he actually had a medical issue that was causing all of this because he sounded really normal on the phone that's my thing it's like when I'm caught off guard and like whatever I just want to make the other person feel better and I forget about what happened to me yeah so then my unconscious mind when I can catch a situation is like goes into hyperdrive (laughs) right oh my gosh well I feel like this is a very relatable story I feel like a lot of people listening are going to be like unfortunately 
thinking unfortunately of times this that happens yeah they've let someone so off the hook I mean even in a therapy session I had recently I was talking about this you know difficult relationship I have and my therapist was like so you're gonna do the thing that's really really uncomfortable for you that's gonna like emotionally take a toll for like two days so that the person who hurt you doesn't feel any discomfort when you're like completely valid in the thing that your boundary you know yeah and it made me think about that as well like why are we putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions wait am I becoming ego (laughs) no I don't know like I don't know like is is I think the non-ego response would have been to be like, thank you. I appreciate the apology and then moved on. Like set a boundary. I agree. Not it's like the ego people pleasing of like, I have to soothe their ego. You know? Yes, yes, yes. I com- Okay, I completely agree. I think it's the stoicness of yeah. that. I appreciate you acknowledging that. No sweat. I'm wishing you all the best. And yeah. I harbor no, no, no anything. So please enjoy your day and thanks for the call you know right right I harbor no anything but I am getting a restraining order (laughs) yeah I'm like well this is I feel like people listening to me like is Aubrey in serious danger literally (laughs) Um, you guys Victoria will be hosting next week by herself (laughs) oh don't say that I'm joining witness protection (laughs) (laughs) okay anyways to carrying the past to carrying the past do you want to tell this one Sure. I love this one. So this story is called Carrying the Past. Not us. Anytime Eckhart puts it into like a duck or a short story, we fully grasp Le- it. <laughs> Please explain it to me like I'm four. <laughs> I need to I need to be good. <laughs> I literally need a big good. Like if this book had pictures, like <laughs> please <laughs> i know literally bestseller literally i'm like maybe we can get a deal with him like regurgitating it for like young 20 somethings <laughs> okay carrying the past the inability or rather unwillingness of a human mind to let go of the past is beautifully illustrated in the story of two zen monks tanzan and akito who were walking along a country road that had become extremely muddy Near a village, they came upon a young woman who was trying to cross the road, but the mud was so deep it would have ruined the silk kimono she was wearing. Tanzan at once picked her up and carried her to the other side. The monks walked on in silence. Five hours later, as they were approaching the lodging temple, Akito couldn't restrain himself any longer. Why did you carry that girl across the road? We monks are not supposed to do things like that. I put the girl down hours ago, said Tanzan. Are you still carrying her? Mike? Mic drop. I mean, the visual representation of holding on to thoughts, but through them, this guy holding on to the situation and the literalness of I put her down. I put her down. So I was at an event recently after reading this chapter and I had this weird interaction with someone. Not really. Like 80% of me saying it's weird was up to my interpretation of like facial expressions and body language. So not factually. And I have no idea what this person's thinking. And I, and I remember my thoughts going, that was so rude. Or of course that happened. Or no one's ever as nice. Or blah, 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 blah. And then I caught myself going on the stream of negative thoughts. And I thought, yeah, Vic, it's 10 minutes later into the party. There's plenty of fun to have and people to talk to. Put her down. I literally put thought, her put her down. And I put her the fuck down, <laughs> put her TFD and I did it. And I like felt like I moved on. 
One thing I'll add though, is I posted that little story to my Instagram and someone responded and was like, but how are you able to do that? Like, how did you actually just like stop thinking the thing? And it was such a refreshing question because I feel like I remember a time in my life where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the beginning where we said, I can't just like look at the rose. I'm like, oh, here's the next thing. Yeah. But the more that we read this book and I actually do the work, it's like I have an understanding of what the present moment is so I can actually like tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I feel like there's such a level to these things that we carry, like a, a weird little interaction. I feel like that's a little thing that you can put down. Like that's an easier thing to put down. Right. But I, I don't even know if this is a f- fair relation to this story. But like, what about what you were carrying all week? Like a big thing. Like, how do you put that down? Yeah. How do you put the big thing down? So my big thing, and I've been trying to figure out like what the higher, higher self reaction is. Like, yeah, I'm feeling like I wasn't fully heard by someone. I'm feeling dismissed. And I'm realizing it now, even though it happened a while ago. And I can't decide if that's my ego being like, I was hurt and I didn't get a proper apology and I deserve this. And it's something that I should just accept and move forward with. But in this situation, I feel like the person is capable of like hearing me and mending it in a better way. So that's where I feel like it's worth having. And I feel like it's the way I approach it. Like, can I have the conversation with love and compassion and express yeah. where I'm at and not go in with ego and rage and let the pain body speak? And that's and that's so hard to do. I think what's most important is, in that situation is how you handle it afterwards if you don't get the response you were hoping for. Like, I think it's more the reflection of after the conversation of like, oh, that made me feel a lot better or that didn't but I'm going to put it down. Yeah. I feel like because I think there's more to be said, I'm feeling this way, but I have plenty of situations in my life where things are not resolved and tied up with a bow and I fully know I did everything I could or that's the best it's going to be. And so I have acceptance and I really don't feel the sadness anymore, but it depends. Wait, this reminds me on 141. He says, nothing ever happened in the past that can prevent you from being present now. And if the past cannot prevent you from being present now, what power does it have? And I wrote, hmm, with a question mark. Do you really think nothing in the past that's ever happened can prevent you from being present? Yes. Like how? Yeah. I I think it's, it's, are you still carrying her? Like, have you processed it? Have you given it its space that's not to say to just shove everything under the rug but it's like if you've fully processed a situation then I don't think that it can prevent you from being present but is he saying in a perfect world in a perfect ecky headspace is he saying that we should like never think about something that's happened in the past this thing that I'm struggling with was months ago isn't you feeling that isn't this your present and I know it's like over something that happened in the past but like this is your I know you're not I don't know this is where it gets so sticky in a perfect world no this should not still make you upset if I had fully felt it in the moment and said everything I needed to say which is what I don't think that I have and I think they I think they come hand in hand I think maybe and tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth but because like you didn't 
allow yourself that space in the present moment. It's now part of your pain body coming up later. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you need to process it now, I don't think he's saying like, no, you have to be present. Sorry. Missed opportunity. Move on. Well, I think the difference of this too, and thank you for helping like explain this because it's making sense is it's not like I'm like, I'm still mad. Like, I still want to be mad. Like, screw right. you. But I, but you apologized. Mine's more like, wait, now that there's been time, I realize I have more feelings I didn't actually express because I didn't know I, how to verbalize them. Like, it's like more has come up that is important as opposed to it being like, I'm just holding a grudge to hold one. It almost makes me think of a situation where two people have like worked through something and then a year later a person's like, well, this is because you did this. Like, and it's like, whoa, yes, whoa, whoa. Like no. that's off the table because we, we work through it. So right. I think this is, you're right. Like this is my present moment being like, I'm noticing I'm showing up differently. I'm not fully myself in conversations and interactions with this person. And so that is my present. Yeah. Yeah. I think I follow that. Especially like if you have something that does happen in the past and like you process it and you move on and then you see something that reminds you of it in present day, like of course you're going to need to hold space for that. Yeah. As long as you're not doing it in a petty way just to like be mad. It's just like these are actual emotions you're having after trying to have fully processed it. Yeah. Thanks, Eki. I think we're getting better at answering questions. So just being <laughs> like, you know, we just don't know. I hope so. <laughs> Um, on one, sorry, I feel like I've been leading this whole thing. I have another thing. I'm so grateful you're leading this whole thing. Okay. Feel free to cut me off if you want to take it somewhere. No, no, please. I'm so glad you're leading this. Okay. I'm along for the ride. Don't force me. On 147, (laughs) when Eki says, it's not so much that you cannot stop your train of negative thoughts, but that you don't want to. I was like, okay, like call me out, you know, sometimes the anger and the sadness like weirdly is fueling and it's like fueling the pain body when he says a happy positive thought is indigestible to the pain body. It can only feed on negative thoughts because only those thoughts are compatible with its own energy. It made me think about like kind of like a drug and like we feed it by having the constant mood swings or the constant it, it's easier to have the negative patterns and fuel it and be like fuck it like i'm angry and like you piss me off and this is this it's harder to like take the deep breaths i mean i know we talk about this theme a lot as well but it just made me think like the you don't want to felt very like wise <laughs> why did that hurt so bad to read you know <laughs> yeah wait what do you mean just like that feels personal, Eki. <laughs> yeah. And I like I've I've heard that you can literally rewire the pathways in your brain. So if you stop feeding that pathway, whatever it might be, it just goes away. And then it like doesn't need to be this thing that takes over your thought. Does that make sense? It does. I feel like I know you're referencing other mindset like our psychology books. Yeah. Which is wild because when I'm reading this chapter about the pain body, it's making me think it's like he put a name to this thing that like we've learned about or heard about in other ways. Like when people say like it was triggering, like to what your pain body, your pain is what was triggered. Right. Like it clicked for me on like what the thing is. And when you view it almost as this entity and this energy, that's not really you. It's helpful, I feel. 
it makes it lighter. Like it makes it easier to detach from. Do you ever feel like you've been like fully possessed by a pain body? Because when I read this, I think about like people who I know are, they're living in their pain body. Yeah. And it's so funny now after reading this chapter, watching other people's pain bodies flare up. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm like watching it with like a judgmental eye. I'm just like, oh, what's your pain body? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then noticing mine, like today on the phone with my mom, I was like, calm down. Calm down. That's not you. (laughs) I was in an argument recently and I like could sense it, but shit is hard to break through. (laughs) I know. And it's hard to sit there and feel it and then do nothing about it. But this part where he said on 148, the other person's pain body wants to awaken yours so that both pain bodies can mutually energize each other. That just made me think of like tough family relationships. And when people even think about like Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's like that is like the day of the pain body. Like it's just pain bodies (laughs) sitting around triggering each other. I'm dead. (laughs) Isn't it? Family vacations when it's like supposed to be so relaxing and nice and it's just freaking tense sometimes yes I can think of people who my pain my pain body is like hi I'm here I'm here hi I am literally you you don't even get to meet Victoria you just get to meet her pain body it's like when he said on 150 like how a cat is like a pain body at the slightest unusual noise its ears will move towards it and its eyes open slightly dormant pain bodies are the same on some level they are still awake ready to jump into the action when the appropriate trigger presents itself I can think of the people where like I become the cat and I'm like just say the one thing push the button just say it (laughs) do it I dare you I literally dare you it's also something I realized I sorry I keep talking about this example of my mom today it's just like was so so pain body that's like high school pain body that's your present moment that was my present moment and i there's like a sense of release in the moment like when you let your pain body take over but then it feels so much worse afterwards than it would have to just sit with your pain body does that make sense like i feel so shitty afterwards because you also yelled and said mean things kind of thing yeah like like I reacted in a way that like I was getting mad at her about something that happened years ago because it triggered my pain body. And then I I knew as it was happening and I didn't stop it. And then five minutes after I was like, why'd you do that? You know? Yeah. And you know, what's actually the lessening of the ego pain body in that situation is like, if you, and this will sound cringy and so fucking hard because it's your ego absolutely writhing. If you sent a text tonight that was like, hey, I got sassy on the phone with you. Sorry about that. It brought up a lot for me, but like it would be that kind of text. I I have no problem doing that, but you're so right. I'll literally text her that. Wait, do you really have have no problem? Sometimes with me, like it takes a lot of deep breaths. I don't want to say I have no problem ever. No, because like in the moment I have a really hard time saying sorry. Like I think... There are certain people in my life who, if they heard this, would be like, oh, yeah, no problem saying sorry. (laughs) Well, you know what it's hard for me about it is like how it feels corny. Like, could you imagine me in a situation being like, I'm sorry, this is bringing up a lot for me right now. And I just I need a moment um, to just properly hear. Like, doesn't that feel so corny and cringy to do? Yeah, but we have a podcast about ego. Like everything's a little corny. (laughs) No, but like, but like, I think that's what when I think about this tough conversation I'm gonna have. I'm like, 
I have to approach this with love and compassion. And it feels like I'm flipping on to be some like <laughs> person I'm not. Like, <laughs> but like how much does it mean when you get one of those sorry texts? Well, it completely diffuses you. Like there's nothing you can say. It completely diffuses you. I know. And like if I get one of those sorry texts, I turn into the, no, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, can I tell my story of what happened this week while we're like slightly derailed? Yeah, what? <laughs> while we're off topic, let's just go farther off While we're road. off topic. No, this is on topic, off topic. But I'm walking on the street yesterday and I'm in San Francisco. The streets are littered. Like there's shit everywhere. And I see this, like these two book pages open <gasps> and I'm walking and Wood keeps walking and I stop and I'm looking and it's turned to the about the author page. And I see Eckhart Tolle and I was like, no freaking way. And I pick it up and it's literally like four pages out of a new earth, just randomly strewn across the street. And I'm like, what does it mean? That what is it wild. Mean? You, you Why did I stop? <laughs> you texted me that photo. I cannot believe I'm like, who's out there reading and are they in the book club? I know. I have to find them. I don't think it's one of our San friends so much to sayers because they wouldn't litter. They wouldn't litter. I have this thing about littering. I like cannot do it. I feel like the earth is watching me. Like I had a gum wrapper the other day, like the tiniest gum wrapper. Not even. It wasn't a gum wrapper. It's like, you know, like the very top of a straw is like that tiny little white piece of fringe you crinkle in your finger. Yeah. I can't yeah. even drop that. <laughs> yeah, but she is watching you. That's fair. Well, I just like love. Right. Like I don't want to pollute the earth. That to me is like really low, like to throw shit. Yeah, in that's the earth. low. When I see people throwing shit out of their car, I'm like, just get a little car trash can. You know Throw it on the ground of your what car. What I was thinking while driving the car the other day, I was having right. one of those things where I like had a full on like, you know, when you just imagine like a story in your mind. I was thinking yes. in my car how one of the easiest ways to find out the most about a person is if they have road rage, like based on ego. And I was thinking... I yeah. was driving the other day and I like didn't even realize, but I was having the worst road rage. I was like, what the hell are you doing or whatever? And everyone in the car was like, whoa, what's happening? I was like, oh my God. Like I did a, I'm so sorry, you guys. I don't know what that was. You were having road my rage? Ego. I pride myself yes. on that being like level one, like ego obstacle course. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a really unawakened <laughs> Day. It's okay. <laughs> Wait, also in the next chapter, which we have already read because we had to re-record this, he talks about road rage. So that's kind of a fun little um, I don't know, Easter egg for the next chapter. Wait, I do want to talk about how he was saying people love dark, violent, twisted cinema and that yes. how that feeds the pain body. Like the fact that we love to watch gruesome, horror, tragic movies. And like I was thinking of crime podcasts like the sweetest, nicest people who just are addicted to like crime junkie because like yeah. that's the outlet for their pain body. Also, do you ever like look up a crazy murderer, serial killer and like read their whole wiki and like weirdly it's like yes. super fascinating to you, but you're reading about like the murder of people. Yes, I do yeah. that. I mean, even just the news. You, I come downstairs when I'm at home and my mom has the news on at like 7 a.m. We're drinking our coffee and it's like seven people murdered in the capital of... I'm like, why Why is this playing in the background right now? Like, this should be something that you take like 30 minutes out of your day to like understand what's going on in the world and then, you know, move on and don't have it like ringing in your head all day. I cannot watch daily news for that reason. It's 
so negative and sad. So I know, but if it was positive and it was like polar bears saved in the Arctic, well, how, how many people would watch it? Well, you know what I love following? Good news movement. Do you follow them on Instagram? No. It's should I? It's all cute, like good news things. Oh, see, I love that. Yeah. Did you watch Jonah's Awful Black Mirror? Yes. Okay. I literally loved it. One of my favorite, my favorite Black Mirror episode ever. And Annie Murphy's in it. And I love Annie Murphy because I love Schitt's Creek. Remember at the end of that episode where she was like, why call it Jonah's Awful? Why so negative? And the person is like, well, we had Jonah's Amazing and it just did terrible in the testing round. People are way more interested in seeing like, you know, the ugly, the shameful, the deep dark secrets of people and that's like literally what he's saying so messed up i know also when he says the worse things get the more excited the presenters become and often the negative excitement is generated by the media itself pain bodies just love it okay can i tell you something that i did once that i'm not super proud of i would love that you're telling me and everyone else though okay great so when i when i read that i wrote cancel culture we all love it I remember when James Charles was getting canceled. I was like on a volleyball trip in Vietnam. People were tweeting about it and making videos about it. And like I went to look at his subscriber count and like just I was just watching it drop and drop and drop. And that is like terrible that like I was like so like vested and like, oh, my gosh, he's getting canceled for what? And I'm watching this Tati, I think was her name, video. And then I'm and then it's like you're seeing all these people like say unfollow and they're saying negative things and like and like the subscriber count is just dropping and like a little part of you is like like it gets a thrill out of it it, it's like thrilling it's not like I want the demise of someone but it is you forget that that's an actual person but that's like why do people yes they love cancel culture because it's like thrilling to see someone get taken down for why I mean it was the same with the Haley and Selena thing like just refreshing her page and like her count was going down Haley Bieber's was? was going up yeah right I, I, I was never that checking that did you check those no <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> who would do something like that Wait, but yes no I was fully following that and like rooting for Selena and Selena's was going up and I was like yes queen it reminds me of that Black Mirror episode about when they this is really, really freaking dark and gross. But when the prime minister is blackmailed to have intercourse with a pig or someone's yeah. going to get murdered and the whole world tunes in to watch him do this morbid, traumatic thing against his will. But everyone watches. And that's like the point of the the killer murder kidnapper is like, look how disgusting our world is. And then <laughs> to be on my third Black Mirror episode. There's that one where they're all tweeting like death to Bob, death to yes. Sarah. And the the kicker is that anyone who joined in on the cancel culture is the one who dies at the end. I always yes. think about that. And that's why now I've never like tried to buy into it because I think of that episode. I mean, I think it's so easy to forget that these people are actual people and like, oh God, it's just like so sad. Like, but it it's such a telling thing like this is the most telling way that our whole society is run by ego and pain body yeah because if we were if there was any like even if like I don't know 50% 75% was conscious all this stuff would go away okay that is such a good transition to the very last point he's making about the collective female bot pain body and how he literally says 
If the balance between male and female energies had not been destroyed on our planet, the ego's growth would have been greatly curtailed. We would not have declared war on nature and we would not be so completely alienated from our being. He's basically like the suppression of women and the empowering of men fucked us. And I'm like, snaps, Eki. You want to know what I wrote? I wrote Barbie. Literally. Sorry. (laughs) Literally. It reminds me of how when Barbie land is taken over by the Mojo Dojo Kasumen, all goes to shit. All goes to shit. I have been saying recently, I heard a girl at a bar say this, and I've fully taken it as my own. She actually listens to the pod. Really? So Hi. I can't remember her name, but someone did something like a guy was like having a girl go, girl, his girlfriend go get him a drink or whatever. And she goes, in the year of Barbie? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. No, not in the year of Barbie. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm going to start saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's funny. Um, Literally, though, he says the suppression of the feminine principle, especially over the past 2000 years, has enabled the ego to gain absolute supremacy in the collective human psyche. Although women have egos, of course, the ego can take root and grow more easily in the male form than in the female. This is because women are less mind identified than men. They are more in touch with their inner body and the intelligence of the organism where the intuitive faculties originate. The female form is less rigidly encapsulated than the male, has greater openness and sensitivity toward other life forms, and is more attuned to the natural world. I mean, that's just true. I completely agree. I like I feel like this somehow ties into my like worry of getting steamrolled because I get worried that if you let yourself get so soft and so not egoic or whatever, which I know this is not the case. I think this is my like deep down fear. The ego is stronger. Like the ego has more of a presence. The ego is bigger. Does that make sense? Like the patriarchy has done this to f- the soft feminine en- energy. Like, the patriarchy has taken over that. And they've they've made it so that if we do express ourselves in the way we want to express ourselves, we're deemed as too emotional must be on our period. Yeah. Like it's not valued. So it's like, yes, fully women's status was reduced to being childbearers and men's property. Males who denied the feminine, even within themselves were now running the world, a world that was totally out of balance. I find that with like men who are so triggered by like makeup or nail polish or like, yeah. It's like, oh, is the nail polish or the makeup going to like melt you? Like, it's like, oh, it's oh. not that deep. <clears throat> Max, I would love for Max to wear nail polish. I think it is so hot, especially on a tall, lanky dude. Pete Davidson started the trend. Dude, I'll paint Max's nails. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. I know. Did you see his video the other day? I know. I'm like, you should paint them for the video. But I also understand, like, I am warped in the opposite way of... If someone told me to grow out my armpit hair, like that would be hard for my identity as formed in this society. Yeah. But I am here for everyone expressing that is something I feel very passionate about. Like even the way I feel about like trans rights and trans activism, I feel so fiercely for people to be whoever they want. Like, why does it bother you? Right. Why does it why does it matter to you? has legitimately nothing to do with you. Like if someone wants to be referred to in any pronoun they want, whatever their name is, like why does it matter? Allow yeah, someone what, to What in your pain body thinks that this has anything to do with you? <laughs> no, and it's the way that they're saying that oh my gosh, this is comedy. When Natalie and I were in Hawaii, we had a surf instructor who was literally I think he said something like 
Wait, this is, let me paint this picture. I wish Natalie was here. This is my birthday gift to Natalie. It costs like a few hundred dollars. This man is pushing us out to see, like we haven't even begun the lesson. As he's bringing our surfboards out to begin like our two hour lesson, it's just us and him. He says, masculinity is under attack. (laughs) And you're going out to sea with this man? Literally. Like the way that I had to just be like, don't even get into it, Vic. Like, don't even, because we're out here and we're going to have a great lesson. Like, just move on because, you know, I just didn't want to ruin our experience, but we were looking at each other like he deadass just said masculinity is under attack, which is the ego. That's like the ego of the world. Dude, but my, but my ego gets fucking stirred up by that. That makes me so, like, that's for, Take a breath. I know. I know. Well, you know what is interesting, though, is the difference between I think about this when like I saw something political posted the other day that really irked me. It was the voice of a person who is anti-trans and anti-women's rights to choose. And I was like upset. But a part of me wants to be like, nope, I don't ever want to hear anything from this person. Like, screw this person. But like, that's also my ego being so identified with what I identify with that like, I can't even acknowledge the existence of someone else, you know? Yeah. So, but then it's like, not to be so political, when lives are at stake, how do you remain calm? It's such a good question. I mean, Martin Luther King, like, I, I, I don't think he necessarily let his ego run that show it was like he stayed soft wait I cannot believe you just mentioned MLK because to tie and end this episode up with a bow I highlighted it on the very last page instead of blaming the darkness you bring in the light and one of MLK's famous quotes is oh my god I see I didn't even put that together darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that And it's true, like, my ego just wants to get inflamed and, like, fight or yell. But that's actually not the way to success for what we want. It's so interesting. It's such hard work, but Eki and MLK, man. (laughs) Gosh, it's so true that, like, our deeper power is harnessed below that. In the same way that we wouldn't feel like we were being heard or we would want to listen to someone who was like screaming or yelling at us yeah, is the same way that they wouldn't to us, even if we know in our hearts, like we're correct. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Once again, we just answered our, one of our own questions. Look at us go. <laughs> I think that's four total questions. Literally. Well, that was a lot on the pain body and I think we did a good job. How, how do you not your pain body feel about it? <laughs> My pain body feels very annoyed about it which means I feel great (laughs) fully um real quick before you all go in the recording of this episode that we lost I did go on a random tangent about work and career ambition and like how that correlates to ego completely off topic um per usual but I wanted to just kind of pose the thought to you all and then in next week's episode I actually come with an answer so basically Aubrey and I were talking about how do you have career ambition you know for me like want to interview big celebrity podcast guests like 
is that my ego? Should I not want that? But then how do you move forward in your career and like achieve milestones if you're not pushing towards being better? But is being better the ego? So that was a side tangent we went on and I wanted to leave you with it to think about and marinate, sit on it. And then next week, I'm going to come with a little answer. Alrighty. Perfect. Okay. Well, I love you and say hi to Wood for me. Alrighty. I will say hi to Matt. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap. So you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say is a part of the RealPod family, so you get everything right there. And you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay, thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.